Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Hi, my name is Nathan Kerno, and I've been writing poetry for about 15 years. I guess I'm known as a Melbourne poet, but the truth is most of my writing has been done in the regional wilds of Victoria. But I do get into Melbourne for gigs, and so it's really nice to be here on Spoken Word 3CR. And I get to read the work, which is a lot about my family, my domestic life, raising four young daughters. Dead Penguins What does death look like? Is it a triangle? Our children have started asking us questions about death. We talk with them over breakfast about Jesus and heaven. Careful to introduce the subjects with the words some people think. My natural reaction has been to explain what life is, but that's been just as difficult. If someone asked if I was really living, could I be sure that I was doing it? And what if there were two moons fighting for the tide? I sit on the beach and watch my daughters chase a surf into the ocean. The waves stretch up and they come running back, desperate to save their toes. I wonder if this is their way of coming to terms with the horizon, how they problem-solve space and time. Life's push and pull, so unrelenting, They think to treat it like a game. If the heart is a muscle, can you stretch it? There are break rocks at the bottom of the cliffs at the place where the beach ends. I've been staring at them each time I come down but have resisted the urge to visit. Some people I know can't sit on a beach until they've walked it back and forth. My friend Lewis walks it every night to avoid a second heart bypass. Who picks up the dead penguins off the beach? My eldest daughter and I discover the bodies of six fairy penguins as we walk along the shore. They're entangled in weed, lying vulnerable to dogs. They look like infants thrown from the wreckage. I tell her that the tide will pick them up and mutter something of the working moon. I guess some people think, Jesus. What does radar mean? Do all of us have one for home? Leaving her on the beach, I climb to the top of the break rocks and notice a small path beyond. It disappears between the bushes, below pigeons in the cliff face that stare out at whoever comes. I climb down. Then we both turn back. Sometimes we string out along the sand, as if we calmly have to practice that moment when we'll part. Those adamant shapes. For my kids. You teach each other what language unlocks. Blockading the doorways, the hall. Wherever you can hang a gate of yourselves. You pitch an A. Or a star. Or a scarecrow. Those adamant shapes that will only budge at the sound of the secret word. The way please peels an apple. 
releases a spring inside your parents. Some magic remains. It seems the classics still work. Abracadabra. Open sesame. Or, I'm busting, I'm serious, I'm not playing this time. (laughs) I swear you were all born yesterday. Creatures emerging from the coil of us, amassed on the same stretch of beach, clawing ahead, bargaining as if we're the universe or should have escaped its ancient tones. Those echoes of our parents that we find hard to pardon, like the songs they all belt out, My old rat-packed dad would bellow for hours. This new rat croons like a god. You're trapped with this. The deep cargo that refuses to come unstuck. However you advance, it is meant to be fun. And I've worried about death too much. So these poems are from No Other Life But This, which came out in 2006 with uh, the Five Islands Press New Poet Series. We got to travel around Australia and New Zealand reading them, and it was a really exciting time where, you know, we were emerging all together as poets. Um, So, yeah, I'm very fond of, of these poems from so long ago. Braving the awkward. Pouring milk into a coffee. She says she doesn't believe in portals. And I know that she's talking about her son. I'm stupid for saying that red capsicum is like a heart. Comparing the shape before slicing its fleshy chambers on the board. She leans back against the sink. Mug held in place of prayer. I realise now that I'll be cooking. Perhaps that's why she wants me here. There may not be portals, but there are holes, like the defect he was born with. Steam curls up below her chin in perfect tongues of silence. I will not be still. In the kitchen, in grief, some mistakes are welcome. Conversation is normal, and that's all she wants. Someone to brave the awkward. Beyond the quiet, I ask her how she wants the carrots done. She says it doesn't matter. Wipes her face and then tips her coffee out. An argument for kissing, for Karen. 
when I corner you in the morning for kisses and press my lips to yours, you still do not stop talking. Your lips work overtime, sharing your dreams of the night before, pecking at mine as I force you to pause amid the stories you do not understand. Before we were married, I remember long hours in the morning, basking in the residue of warm skin, hiding from the consciousness of everyone we knew. Your dreams were just as vivid then, and you detailed every image, handing them over like house keys, wondering how little things could ever mean so much. Now when you jump in the night and ask what ran up the wall, I laugh. For we'll never understand where dreams begin and end or why yours seem so real. Only that they persist beneath us. Your quiet intrigue leading us together in the morning to talk, listen, and somewhere in the mystery, kiss. So these next poems are from the Ghost Poetry Project, which uh, I did in 2007, and uh, the book came out with Punch and Watman in 2009. And it's really weird looking back and, and reading over them again because it was such an intense uh, adventure, sleeping at 10 haunted sites around Australia, um, and it exhausted me in every possible way. But when I read them again, I'm taken back to just the intensity of the feeling and, and of the project and the exhaustion of the project. Here we go. Some final regard. Elizabeth Woolcock was executed at Adelaide Jail in 1873 for poisoning her abusive husband. She had attempted to hang herself years before, but failed when the beam broke. The noose is a turnkey. The trap is a box I will not have to kick myself. The rope is good rope. The beam will not break. I have tired of the weight of dry earth. And stone never turned to bread for me. I had to turn to men. Now they come at even pace. It is better to expect it. Let them pinion my arms tight like wings say prayers I could not have imagined. Everything measured, down to the drop. No need to keep the secret of this. I will hold the asters your wife picked me, walk past my open grave, the spade that will hurl a heap of lime onto my fresh-cut corpse. Let the doctor inspect it. Death from violence. This time I will not return free from gossip, some final regard, a hood to hide the bruising. 
Love Note on Serviette. This is inspired by an account of a prisoner who in 1899 threw a love poem weighted by a stone over the wall of the Fremantle Lunatic Asylum. My own fond love, this portion find your path, I feel myself, beyond myself. Am able to choose this rock, to traffic these words, put your cold on me. Gazing forever upward, throw me something. I love you, I love you. Lavender is making sense. Notice these rocks? I've practiced this. Promise me yourself. I found a secret passage beneath the peppercorn trees. It's forbidden by the Pope. Instead, he blessed me with a hole in the wall. I have imagined that you wave. Much like you throw, throw me something. Be my gracious garden. Your voice climbs over a lavender ladder. Do you want to hear me breathing? I am feeling myself. The stiff sin of a sinner. The Pope is always watching. So I spent a night on Norfolk Island in one of its haunted museums, but I came across a story there. When the whaling ships, or the whaling boats would go out, um, if one hadn't come home at night time, it was incredibly dangerous. It was highly unlikely that they'd be found again. So because the, the island was so small and the margin of direction uh, was so tiny, um, they would be lost, likely lost all night. So what the the island would do, the town would do, is, is set fire to the pines on the, um, the top of the cliffs so that the, the whale boat had something to aim for. This is called Whaling Song. Each tier of a pine tree is a curved whale boat, launched into the sea at dawn, lost at dusk, beacons are lit, a soft language upon the horizon... A glowing ship marks the earth's turned side, steering on mutineers' blood. History is towed like the Lord's whale, boiled down into song. And jammed the living upon these stones, broke stones to anchor old dreams. From the work of hands the shore is made, rowing forward, heaving back, rowing forward. Come ye blessed. Memory, like shadow, is best stored upon itself. Though darkness refuses to pass without trade, claim the red earth turned for good. Climb like a seed spread even on the wind, silhouette upon the dawn. Beneath the freshest star, you are here, departed. Sing with us yourselves back home.
So these next few poems are from uh, a book titled Radar, which is a book I had out with Kevin Brophy, a two-in-one book, uh, through Walia Press. The Hallway It was a minefield of creeks that we negotiated on Saturday mornings. One false move and would be sent back to bed, missing the early cartoons. We were young operatives of the 70s. Orange carpet with mission brown swirls. Skirting the tail ends of an era for some black and white television. My brother stepped first with a bidding toe. My sister followed, shifting perfect weight. I was strung to their timing, as if we balanced a house dangling over the edge of a cliff. And it might have been our greatest act, even greater than the family portrait. Lined up in our new blue safari suits, we smiled harder than Mum had saved. Tight were the skivvies, wide were the pants, loose our limbs in the hall. We're creaking now, moving just as slowly to keep our age a secret from ourselves? What became of our dance? The hallway stretched on, spreading into years. Now history is loaded with issues that spring, rising quicker than Mum ever did. We are choosing silence, eluding the groans, our foundation riddled with flaws, as if we can't trust each other unless the stakes are high drifting further and further apart. A quick word about the live poetry gigs in Melbourne. The Dan O'Connell Hotel in Carlton has poetry on every Saturday afternoon and Passionate Tongues is at the Brunswick Hotel every second Monday night. Westwood happens out at the Dancing Dog Cafe in Footscray twice a month on Sunday afternoons. Voices in the Attic is run fortnightly on Tuesday evenings at 30 Dirk, Level 1 and 2, 239 Lonsdale Street. The House of Bricks, on or near the last day of every month, run by our very own Santo Katsati, that's me, corner of Bud and Keel Streets, Collingwood. Melbourne Poets Union is usually on the last Wednesday of the month at the Wheeler Centre. All of these gigs have open mics if you'd like to try your hand at sharing your work or you can just go to listen. Check out the website, melbournespokenword.com to find out more about the scene. I Shoot You at the Pond For Kevin Brophy Ideas grow like goldfish in proportion to the space they're given. And you return home from your morning swim, still dripping, from professor to friend. Breakfast begins slowly. Questions are like muesli, managed carefully at the kitchen table. Believing in seeds, we commit to chewing, holding our spoons like pens. You consider me a poet and I've emerged, still rough, after crashing in your spare room. Studying the yard, your familiar themes. Lemons, pigeons, the cats. Pouring at the surface of your garden pond until you spray them over the fence. A loaded water pistol at the windowsill. Silence circles around again. I'm tempted to imagine that you're partly feline, inquisitive, inscrutable, mischievous. 
your tail curling up like a question mark, rising with the thrill of potential. So I shoot you at the pond because you ask me to, crouching like that at the edge. Fishing for a symbol, as if to divulge this final ordeal of my training. Or you're simply watching the goldfish swim, or I shoot you just for fun. We open our mouths to a pool of silence. My friend, the idea becoming. Can I ask you, you've mentioned that you're taking a a new approach to some poetry, a collection which will be coming in the next couple of years. And could you talk about that a bit, how things have changed for you with that approach? I got to a stage where I'd been writing those domestic poems and about life and death and fear and love and travelling around Australia and writing in one mode or in a very accessible lyrical mode, which I kind of got bored of as, as an artist. I thought... I could kind of keep writing these poems forever, but I want to challenge myself and explore ways, poems that work differently, with a lot of imagery, a lot of surreal stuff. And so I kind of made a conscious decision to change my practice and change my approach to poetry. So, yeah, I'm working on this manuscript, which I'm really excited about. I don't know where it will surface, but uh, where it will find a home, but... I had to do that for my direction. I, I kind of got bored with my approach and whether anything would come of it, I kind of had to risk changing it all up and hopefully going electric like Bob Dylan. That fearlessness, that bravery that comes with the abstraction, is. do you find that exciting? Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. And that's what I needed. You know, I needed that excitement um, again in my work and and a bit of mystery to how things were coming together. And once I started down that path I couldn't stop but there is some risk of it you know you know that you can do certain things well and that your readers um, know you for that and expect that or or that they value that it's been really important for a lot of people but yeah I just got to the stage where I thought artistically myself if I'm going to keep writing I have to risk it all and throw it all up in the air and see what lands and with the way that you look at the way the line works itself like each line in a poem has that changed with getting more abstraction or do you still have a, a physical sense of the line like when you look at it on the page? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my lines have changed, I think. The line is incredibly important to me. 
But yes, they have changed. I'm not using them in the same way as I used to. I used to kind of butt up a lot of single words against the end of the line and then run on in the next line from that. But in this new direction of manuscripts, it's pretty much one image per line, no punctuation. Yeah, very different for me. Mm-hmm. I guess it goes down to the sound of it and the breath of it in a new way with this new work. Red shawl flapping. There are not enough flowers, and the wolves close in. A baby wakes in an empty house. A splash upon the doorstep, and a red shawl flapping. But nobody heard the shot. Strands upon the spade that remains unhidden. A plot of earth beneath the pines. The moon comes chanting at the broken gate. The rope puzzles remain unsolved. Cicadas sizzling above a war of wheat. Sparrows revel in the dirt bath dust. A television turning the milk upon the bench toward a slow, bold hunter's nose. And the baby, the chanting. A red shawl flapping on the grim slack whip of the line. A racket of carriages passing in the distance. Everything gets dragged outside. The ravine. Cliffs ahead, the singing ravine. A horse gallops beside the train, never tiring. Who is stoking the engine? Is the lion tame? The thorn in the paw was a dream. Everything ran on grease and sequins. Everybody wore a smoking hand. When Habakkuk rode into the desert with the lighter and a wafered tongue. A trail of bunting flicks and frets like a projectionist with a stammer. There was never a bridge, the horse, the horse. Every boom gate is a gallows. The spitfire diving for the dining car. Will the yogi come out of his trance? The jewel on his turban charging the ape with coveting another man's wife. The ostrich's light globe head is blown. Red beads across the carriage floor. A flapper girl tied to the tracks ahead, every hoof print, the shape of you. As a standoff continues upon the roof, three winds come clapping for hats, and it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire. There was never a bridge to be out. 
You've been listening to Spoken Word on Community Radio 3CR. This week's poet was Nathan Kernow. Studio production, Peter Davis. And coming up next, Talk Back with Attitude.